Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hello and welcome to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything. Loads to cover this week in His Majesty's United Kingdom of England, Wales, and Northern Ireland and Scotland. We had the coronation and I didn't watch all of it. Obviously, I'm very busy. I have small children. They were not into it. I liked that. I mean, people came together and had street parties and stuff. Not really in my neighborhood. We live on a very busy road. We don't do that kind of stuff anymore. And I do miss that about living more centrally is street parties for any reason in the UK are really fun. And if you're listening from outside of the UK, Maybe you have similar street parties, but with less bunting. It's just where a bunch of people in an area have a little get-together and you all bring food out from your house. In this instance, we would have heaped on the nationalism with British um, flags and you know bunting cakes, traditional Victoria sponge, probably pims. I saw a lot of people have house parties. Any reason for a bank holiday. A bank holiday in this country is a Monday that you don't have to go to work. And I love that our babysitter, Miriam, Fred's executive assistant, she observes bank holidays, and that's the only way I know what they are. Like, sometimes I wake up in the morning and Violet's not at school, and I'm like, meh, bank holiday. I'm not a banker. I work bank holidays, and I just don't understand, like, we're in a creative industry. The work never stops. Yes, you can have the day off, of course, but it's going to be rough on me. We haven't had Miriam for a week, and that's fine, you know, but I was working, and we enlisted Jen's Miriam, so my friend and stylist, Jennifer Mahalski-Bray, you can follow her on Instagram if you can spell it. She has a nanny for her children who's called Miriam, and our nanny happens to be called Miriam, and I didn't really know how to explain that to Fred, to be... Uh, there's a bird outside the podcast window. A reference, uh, a reference for that. Hello, bird. When we see a bird, we, hello, bird. Um, because Fred puts on this lovely voice when he talks to creatures. This very sweet, hey, wait, here's the reference. So I didn't really know how to explain to him that, sorry, by the way, for that just blip in reality where you were like, did Catherine just stop the podcast to say hello to a bird in a creepy voice? Yes, I did. We didn't really know how do you explain to Fred, who is not even two, that he has a different babysitter today, which number one, he's going to absolutely hate. 
And number two, her name is Miriam also, because we haven't had any name repeats in our family yet. We've not had to explain surnames to him or be like, this person is also called that. Um, so we just said, there, there's a different Miriam coming. And he was like, huh? And he was fine by the end, but you know, Fred's a tricky customer. Uh, he's so cute right now. He's saying lots of words together. So he'll be saying one yellow airplane, one red airplane, one, one big white airplane. Ooh, we went to the RAF Museum. That's Royal Armed Forces Museum. If you live in North London, it's not far to get to. If you live in Hertfordshire, Edgware, I think it's physically in Edgware. Listen, don't go. I want it for myself. It's another one of my discoveries. Well, I didn't discover it. Miriam discovered it. Which Miriam? I'll never tell. But it's uh, free to go. It's absolutely free. And you book tickets online, I think just for numbers, though it wasn't busy when we went, or maybe just for security, because there is a lot of security around there. They make sure that you don't touch anything, and you can't bring a bag, and obviously you're not allowed to eat near any of the bombs. But you go in these big airport hangars. They have four different ones with lots of huge, like real RAF different planes and helicopters inside suspended from the ceiling so you can go with a toddler or any young let's face it usually man but not always young man who would enjoy that and they have computer equipment so you can do surveillance and they have little kid helicopters and things that you can get in they have a really nutritious delicious kitchen and a cafe but the kitchen is fully you know there's like vegetables and nice food in there oh wine and beer what God bless the UK. So you can go there for free, and it's an Edgeware, the RAF Museum. But please don't go on the day that I'm going. There's even an outdoor playground and picnic area. You can bring your own food. Don't go. Back to the coronation. Not a fan. Not a fan of what I saw. And I saw very little, but I echo the thoughts of a lot of the UK when I tell you we are living in a financial crisis there is energy shortage and no one has enough money and this guy is rolling around in a ludicrous golden carriage and putting a big crown on and doing all these talks i understand that people here love the nostalgia of it all you like to do things a certain way and you enjoy the tradition and the process of stuff i get it and for many who might not be royalists necessarily but you know, they appreciate a nice day. They go, I was curious. I went, I thought it, there was something quite special about it. And on the surface, yeah, it does look kind of cool. It's, it's cool that we have a princess. I loved Kate Middleton matched, not a real tiara, but she wore sort of the type of headband slash tiara that I wear. Bitch stole my look. Actually, Penny Mordaunt stole my look. She is like leader of the house or something. I don't follow it anymore because it makes me too angry. She's a woman who has something to do with the government and apparently people like her, though I'm pretty sure she's probably a Tory. She got to stand there in a really cool outfit holding a sword the whole time. And I don't know why, but a lot of people said she looked like me because she too was wearing sort of a crown-ish headband adornment. And everyone's copying me. And I love it because this is the look for the summer. We are going to be accessorizing with decorative headpieces, be that crowns or headbands or flowers in your hair this summer. I don't know, but I get my headbands, headpieces, whatever you want to call them from Victoria Percival. These ones were made by someone I think called 
uh, was it Jenny? It was someone, a name I didn't recognize, but I will be looking up. All of that looks beautiful on the surface, sure. But then there is the seediness of Harry having to just like turn up without his ostracized wife who's back home in Los Angeles celebrating their son's birthday. There was no mention from the royal family about Archie's birthday. Just weird. That was all messed up. And then you've got two rich people. They they have something like 44 billion pounds and they're the biggest landowners in the world. I didn't even know this. And they're doing this thing with the golden carriage. I don't know why it was the golden carriage that fucked me off more than anything else. I just, it's not even that it made me angry, actually. I just think that it is so tone deaf. And I know why they do it. It's 250 million, they said, of taxpayer money went into this coronation ceremony. They do it because that's what's done. And they don't think twice about it. They're not, you know, they're incapable of creative thought, of analyzing, like, is this something that makes sense in the current climate. They don't understand the current climate at all. But it just looked to me insane. It looked like a a Cinderella pantomime in the middle of a disaster. And the carriage was going over roads where the potholes were filled with wet sand because this country can't afford to properly fix the roads. I mean, it's ludicrous. And I think it would have been less ludicrous looking if William and Kate had been crowned instead. I don't know why. Everyone tells me, everyone who's met Prince King Charles tells me he's a really nice man and everybody likes Camilla. Apparently Camilla's good fun. And when she was young, she was called Millie. What's her last name? I don't remember. She was fun. She was cool. She was divorced. And Prince Charles was in love with her and he wanted to marry her, but she was deemed unsuitable for marriage because she wasn't young and she wasn't a virgin. And I didn't know this either. Diana was hand-selected when she was 16 years old. You know how I feel about this. You know how I feel about this. And she was told that the 29-year-old Prince of Wales was in love with her. But he wasn't in love with her. This, by every measure, is an arranged marriage. And she had never had a boyfriend before. She was young. She was high society. She was a virgin. So they marry when she's 19. She has William immediately, like the next year. All the while, he's allegedly with Camilla. Camilla's at their wedding. I mean, and on the surface, you can be mad at Camilla and you can go, she's a side piece and how dare she go to the wedding of the woman whose husband she's sleeping with. That's all, you know, objectively really bad. But when you look below all the circumstance, It's like they were in love. In a way, it's a love story. It's like those two wanted to be together, but they weren't in charge of their own agendas. And are they totally innocent? No, I mean, no. Prince Charles maybe shouldn't marry someone, even by force. But it's a a strong force. So what's he going to do? And then everyone was miserable for a number of years. We know how that ended in major tragedy. But I, I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't vibe with the coronation as much as some, but I wasn't as pissed off as others. Let's put it that way. I just think, you know, my behavior is ridiculous a lot of the time. Someone sent me a message on social media and they said, Catherine, how dare you upload a photo to your stories of you shopping at Louis Vuitton? Okay. I was papped with my American manager shopping at Louis Vuitton and I looked fire because of mirroring. Humans do this thing sometimes where to ingratiate themselves to someone else, they will sort of copy them. 
And my LA manager always looks cool. He has the drip, as they say. He's always in designer brands, but he has his own personal style. He looks like a rock star when you see him. And I knew I was meeting up with him, and I don't usually even wash my hair. So on this day, I was like, Bobby, I'm going to get dressed today. And I put on this like pearl-encrusted Christopher Kane cream cardigan and these Louis Vuitton athletic trousers that I had. And I sort of looked, it looked a little white lotus. I definitely looked like a mom, like like a rich white lady doing something naughty. Help, these gays are trying to kill me. And I put on heels with a little pearl, Rupert Sanderson, I think. And then we went to Louis Vuitton because he wanted to go there. And I, I looked very, I don't know, nouveau-rich, I guess. And I felt cool, so I sent a photo of the cool Louis Vuitton sliders that I bought. And this woman messaged me and she said, how dare you flex about that when it's my child's birthday coming up and I can't even afford to get them a present. And I thought, "Ugh, do you know what? You're right. And I do it with other things too. I show my beautiful children. And um, Elizabeth Day wrote a very moving article about pregnancy loss and infertility. And she said, I wouldn't share a photo of my Bentley just like I wouldn't share a photo of my baby because I know it's a luxury item that not a lot of people have access to even when they want it. And so, you know, may let, okay, let me be humbled and say that the coronation pomp and circumstance reminded me that I need to flex a little less because maybe I look like Camilla grinning ear to ear wearing this crown that doesn't fit. Maybe that's me to a lot of people and I gotta stop. All right, here's what Joanne has written us. Oh, Joanne, like Joanne, Joanne. I'm very grateful, but the audacity of some of my family members, Joanne's put a little blurb here that I should read, like she's writing for me. Nobody writes for me, Joanne. Do you know how livid I get when someone suggests that maybe they could write for me? With the exception of my good friend, Jeff Norcott. If Jeff tells me he's got an idea, I love it, I want it, I'm saying it. I'm crediting Jeff. Jeff has the most incredible comedic mind. He's on tour. I forget what his tour is called. Top bloke? Right bloke? Just look at Jeff Norcott's socials and you will see. But he's so funny. Whatever your political stance is, you will love Jeff Norcott because he's just that funny. He is going to save the world. Because, but he's bringing us together, both political spectrums. All right. This is from Joanne. Catherine, you had tons of emails come in for a second week in a row. Listeners were torn straight down the middle as to whether or not it's acceptable to express your opinion or concern on a child's potential for having ASD, ADHD, etc. Some felt it's not your place, whereas others felt it was even okay to call child services if the parents refused to agree to go ahead with testing on their own accord. Well, wind your neck in. Do you know what I would say as a summation of that topic is that a lot of people view it as being very black and white. They go, no, if a child is navigating autism, they need treatment. I don't care if you're offended. I'm going to step in and tell you what's what, and that's final. And it's like, maybe those people are navigating autism because isn't autism very black and white? Do you know what I mean? There's less nuance in the thinking with those brain pathways. I understand. Maybe I'm wrong. But maybe those are the people who are like, nope, doesn't matter. But in life, for uh, the rest of people, I don't know what we're called anymore. I don't know. Non-neuro, neurotypical, thank you. Neurotypical, thank you for telepathically telling me the word. Um, there's a lot of nuance and we don't want to offend people. We have to read the room and you have to judge a situation. And, you know, there you go. Our brains do work differently. And I guess the debate on that is just proof. 
Okay, and here are some responses from things we spoke about last week. Oh, here's what Joanne wrote first, though. Many women wrote in asking you to stop calling yourself a Karen. Let's let this die, they say. It's almost as though calling yourself a Karen is an apologetic Canadianism where you humbly admit to maybe being in the wrong instead of standing strong in your point. Okay, no, I wasn't calling myself a Karen. I was in a joking way, but then I totally say what pisses me off about the word Karen. So when I use it, I'm like reclaiming it and saying it's stupid. Don't worry. I don't use it in my real life. I don't accept that I'm a Karen. I just get that like, oh, okay, here we go. It's this way of uh, summing up any older woman with an opinion. Finally, all this talk of liposuction has fueled a conversation about body image. It's wedding season, and you've received a few messages about body image issues that seem to become a hot topic for brides. Now Joanne writes in parentheses to me, you could now read this as though it's your voice if you want to make the point, or you, or if you observed the same things I had in the past. Thanks, Joanne. So this is me. This is not me. This is Joanne through me. Back in my 20s, when Sarnia girls were getting married, one after another in the mid-2000s, there seemed to be this obsession with shape-shifting as a bride. No matter what you normally looked like, being a bride meant you needed to tan. You needed to shrink your body weight by at least 10% and specifically sculpt your arms. You needed to have long hair. Hair extensions were seemingly obligatory, and in many cases, you needed to be blonde for some reason. Nobody could just show up to their own wedding as themselves. It seems like brides today are still pressured into obsessing over some form of this. Listen, Joanne, thank you for that. And I'm, yes, actually, you're spot on with that. Yeah, that is how it was. But it's not changed at all. Of course it happens. And here's why. It's because of the photos. If you, it's not even about the wedding. It's like if there are pictures being immortalized, not only throughout your home, but in your mother-in-law's home, and even if you divorce your husband, you know your mother-in-law's not taking those photos off the wall, and she's going to weaponize them against his new girlfriend, you know that photo is never going to die because his mother looks good in the photo, so it's remaining on her wall, and her beautiful son looks good. Maybe someone's going to punch your eyes out with a hole punch. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in your family, but these are forever photos. These photos are passed to great-grandchildren. Your wedding photo is a piece of ancestral archaeology. And so, yeah, you want to look your very best ever in that photo. And I think that there should, I mean, I don't think there should ever be pressure, but I, I completely am on board with like, I'm going to be the best version of me. So whether that version is tanned or very Victorian pale or like hair extensions or toned arms or being thin, which is rewarded in our society, fine. But in some cultures, I saw this program uh, fronted by Jessica Simpson about world beauty standards and how they move around, they change across the globe. They would take the fiance, the bride-to-be, and keep her in a fattening hut for like four weeks before the wedding where women would just feed her cream. And I forget where this was happening. But then on the day of her wedding, the husband was like, wow, you like look fat like a red cow. That's what the guy said to her. And she was touched by that. So yeah, culturally, whatever the idea of beauty is in your culture, you are going to try to nail it on your wedding day, and you should. Because if you don't, if you're like, oh, you know, who cares? It's just my wedding. Fine. I'm glad that you have that kind of self-esteem. But your great, great grandchildren will be seeing the photos from that day. So turn it out, ladies. Work it out for the photo, for the wedding photo. Here are some reactions from last week. One from a ride operator at, at not Diggerland, but another theme park. She's basically just saying like, yeah, thank you for having the ride operators backs because 
it's hard for us. Understood. Here's another one about retroactive jealousy. Dear Catherine, a quick piece of advice for the listener who wrote in about her retroactive jealousy problems. This is last week. She has described pretty much exactly the experience of the main character in Daphne du Maurier's classic novel, Rebecca. The main character falls passionately in love with and marries a handsome older man, but is haunted by the ghost of his ex-wife, Rebecca, not literally haunted. She feels inferior and is gaslit by the housekeeper who idolized Rebecca. But then an exciting plot twist shows her just how wrong she is to feel this way. It's a classic for a reason. Many people identify with the problem of all-consuming jealousy and feeling unworthy of love. Maybe reading or watching Rebecca will help the listener to feel empathy with herself through the main character and to learn that idolizing people you don't even know is illogical. (laughs) She should probably also get therapy. (laughs) Thank you. I know you won't approve of the character in the book marrying an older man, but he's played by Laurence Olivier in the 1940 film, so can you really blame her? No. Another reaction to last week's podcast. Re the old kink episode. He's secretly taking pics of my feet. Catherine, I know you said you'll never find something good by looking in someone's phone. However, I like to make sure I'm not going to be a mug or be cheated on. Okay, let's unpack this first of all. You need to develop different skills to make sure of that because you have them and maybe they just need sharpening, but you can't be looking in someone's phone. That is, that makes you a red flag. It's an invasion of privacy. It already means there's a problem in your relationship. I know you don't, no one wants to be made a mug of or cheated on. Of course not, but you have a spidey sense. You have intuitions of your own. If you were more honest, you know, because looking through someone's phone is dishonest, and you just put it all on the table and had to open honest conversations with your partner, I think you would be able to tell that they were cheating on you. I feel like if, if you look in someone's phone, they're already cheating on you or you wouldn't feel that you needed to look in it. But all right, here we go with the rest of your message. What I found in his phone is worse. He's been taking photos of my feet while I'm asleep. I know he has a foot fetish, but this has made me feel violated. He has never asked me permission to do this. Maybe I would have let him if he did ask while I was conscious, obviously. Another pic of my feet was while I was conscious, chilling on the sofa, but I didn't know he was taking the pic. I'm wondering if your listeners have experienced this before and if it's something I should confront him about. We've been together for two years, living together for a year. I like talking about sex, but he's never been that forthcoming in talking about it. But anyway, I'm keeping this short, so let me know what you think. Perhaps I'll be single by your next episode. (sighs) get rid. You have to get rid of this man. His kink isn't even feet. His kink is taking photos of your feet when you don't know, you know what I mean? Which is a whole separate kink and it doesn't involve consent. And my kink is when people do not unleash their kink on someone else without asking. It's absolutely not okay. I met some financial dominatrixes this week and I met some femdoms as well, which is female domination and more on that later. But they were in total agreement that, you know, they have, oh, it's a lot to unpack, but they have open, honest conversations about boundaries and triggers and kinks can only happen in a really safe environment. And you can't trick someone 
into participating in your kink and you certainly can't be doing it behind their back or while they're asleep. That is a huge invasion. There's no trust in your relationship. You're checking his phone because you think he might be cheating or doing whatever. You find out in his phone that there's a whole other layer of dishonesty going on in your relationship. There's no talking this out as far as I'm concerned. I think he gets off on God knows what, like you not knowing about it is part of the kink. I'm sorry. And that is a kink that would be a major deal breaker for me. I hope you're single. Please write us back and let us know. Ooh, another email about messaging. Catherine, I have been with my husband for 10 years. We've been married for five. We met when I was 18 and he was 19. We clicked straight away, have so much in common, and we are best friends as well as partners. Being together from so young didn't feel like it was holding us back because we've traveled, partied hard, moved around, and grown together. We've settled down now. We have a two-year-old and a nearly one-year-old. Okay, before you go any further, you hate each other. Why? Because you have a two-year-old and a nearly one-year-old. That's not to say that Bobby and I hate each other, but it is the most stressful situation. Well, in addition to sickness or financial strain or like the death of a parent, you know, it's, it's a major trigger in a relationship for trouble. So whatever's going on, please don't judge yourselves too harshly. Becoming parents was a big adjustment. The last year, my youngest, since he's been born, it's been really hard. He suffered with reflux and juggling everything's been a challenge. In the past few weeks, it seemed everything was falling into place. I've settled back into work and our youngest is now thriving. Intimacy had completely died for us and we spoke about that a lot. I explained I was just so touched out. Oh, touched out is like you've got someone crawling on you all day and your body is like not your own. So when the kids are asleep, you don't want someone having sex with you basically. And exhausted and had a lot of anxiety surrounding this. But I told him I loved him and I wanted us to get back to being how it was when I was ready. He said that he understood and that he would wait as long as I needed. I feel a butt coming. Not your butt. I know you're touched out. I've been pregnant and or breastfeeding literally this entire decade. I have tried to keep being me. <laughs> I love women. I love women. It's 2023. She's got a two-year-old and a one-year-old. And she's like, I have been pregnant on Destiny for the whole decade. I love it. I'm the same. I am the same. Okay. I've been pregnant and or breastfeeding literally this entire decade. I have tried to keep being me, but it's been hard. Finally, a couple of weeks ago, we had sex. The first time since before my youngest was born. Oh my God. You've almost not had sex with this man in a year? That's a long time. I get where you're coming from with all of it, but sometimes you just have to... For, you know, this is too late for you. You're doing it now. Great. But if you have just had some stress in your life, whatever, be that a new baby or something else, you've just got to dive in. Just like do it, schedule it in, check it off the list, and you'd be happy that you did it afterwards. Unless you really don't like this person or they're abusive or whatever else. If you have an otherwise, you know, healthy relationship, you just have to, you know, I don't want to say pencil it in because that creates like, issues guys worry that I mean their dicks but I just mean schedule it in <laughs> it was amazing and it felt like no time had passed between us see I've been so happy ever since and I felt like there was light at the end of the tunnel then today he drops a bombshell he tells me he's been messaging a woman from work for two months he says it was just friendly chat apparently talking about me and our children but then two days ago, she sends him a drunk selfie with a message saying, you know you want me. He replied to her. He said that he just said something like, wow, you must be really fucked. And now told me her boyfriend has apparently seen these messages and thinks they are cheating. 
He said he told me because it's nothing, but he felt bad for not telling me. He said he just enjoyed chatting to her, but that he's now blocked her. I feel it can't be that simple. She must have felt something else. And what's her boyfriend seem to think they're cheating for? I'm heartbroken. I can't believe this. He says he's sorry. He never meant to hurt me and wants me to have all his passwords so I can trust him because he'll never do it again. But I don't want his passwords. That's not trust. That's control. Yes. My baby is one next week, and I've been so excited planning on how to celebrate. I really thought everything had turned a corner and that we were good, but I feel so betrayed and humiliated that he's been talking to someone behind my back. I can't imagine ending things, but also I don't know if I can trust him again. It seems dramatic to break up when he says nothing happened, but how will I move on? I'm worried that I won't get over this and that we will eventually break up. What should I do? Where do I go from here? Please help. I feel like you always say what I would suggest to my friends if they were asking so I don't know what to do. Oh, I feel especially moved by this because I can see it happening to me. Well, not to me. Bobby doesn't have any friends, any female friends or male friends, and he needs to get out there more. I encourage him to go to the mom groups. This really hits close to home because I feel like this guy is not cheating on you. And I understand how sad this would make me because it's like so gross you know you just wish that it, you could erase it and it didn't happen because it puts such a dark cloud over your relationship and i understand all the anxiety about being like oh no will i ever be able to move past this is this just me now hating you for this thing like why did you do this you're so stupid i get that i don't think he's cheating on you i don't know why i just really don't and maybe this woman's boyfriend has less trust in her because she's doing things like sending drunk selfies to married men that say, you know you want me. And I think maybe it's less likely for men to have female friends, like that kind of man. You know what I mean? So maybe he's like, what? Why are you talking to this guy? Why is this guy talking to you? Unless you're fucking, like that's his logic, but maybe he's wrong. And whatever's going on in their relationship, whatever level of trust they have or don't have has nothing to do with your relationship. You have every right to be pissed because to you, maybe it feels like a bit of an emotional affair. And, and you blame yourself maybe as well because you haven't been having sex with your husband. And a year not having sex with your husband is a long time. And I also think it's very difficult for men to talk to other men about these things. So he's found like a lady friend at work to talk about you and the kids. Like maybe that is all genuine. I wouldn't want to look through the messages either though. Like it's, I admire you for being like, uh, I don't want to go through it with a, a fine tooth comb because it'll just make me crazy. I don't think he's cheated on you. I think that you could punish him in some way, <laughs> which is not what I should be saying to you. You know, you could go cold for a while and it's good because you just had sex as well. So he we had a taste of the good life and he's probably like, oh fuck, why did this woman send me this text? Because I was just getting things back on track with my wife. Or no, do you know what I would do? This is gonna be hard. It's gonna be a bit hard, but you've just turned a corner and you need to keep that momentum going. I would take a deep breath and I would go, fine, it never happened. Don't ever give me a reason not to trust you. This is your like one yellow card, football language. And then just keep piling on the love and affection and keep having sex with him because you did it once and then you got the ball rolling. Just keep, don't let this woman impede your trajectory and definitely never speak about her in your house. 
Your house is a place to speak about the kids and your relationship and food you like. And I was talking about this last week. Don't ever speak about that woman again. Just be like, yeah, whatever. I'm not threatened and be sexy and be strong and be a great mom like you are and just don't let it phase you. And you might need to talk to someone else about this a whole lot. You might like offload on a friend or a therapist, but see how that feels for a while. And if it's still eating weight, you are causing resentment or you want to ask more questions about it, then we'll revisit this again. But I feel like you can treat this like a speed bump and move forward. And he will be so grateful. He'll be like, this is what it will do to him. It'll drive him mental because he'll be like, oh my God, like, oh, my wife is so cool. Oh, and, and we just start having sex again. And oh my God, I really love my wife. Who's this woman from work who like could have just ruined everything that I have here at home with my wife? Because I'll tell you what is harder than having a two-year-old and a one-year-old in a happy home is having two-year-old and a one-year-old in a divorced or unhappy home. And I don't think that you need to leave him. I think he is trustworthy. So be cool, be like, you know, and this isn't your, you didn't cause any of this, but I'm going to ask you to be a very big lady now and just be like, all right, one, you get one pass to receive this text. I really, if I wouldn't be saying this, if I thought he did anything more and then be fun and fabulous and make him regret even having a relationship with this woman, a friendship by seeing how amazing you are and get that marriage moving again and just use a condom. (laughs) Otherwise you're going to have another baby. Okay, I know you are dying to know. I briefly mentioned this week I met some findoms and femdoms. And these girls, not all of them, it's very important to say that not all of them, but the ones I met are making 40 grand a month. And they have limited companies and they pay tax to His Majesty King Charles of England and the UK and Wales. I don't know what he's called, but listen. Femdom is female domination, and that is when you usually wear latex or something spicy, black chains, I don't know, and you whip someone and you dominate them, and you might even peg them with a strap on. This is what I learned. But there's a whole new niche sort of inside female domination. So you don't have to be a female dominatrix to do financial domination, where a girl who just looks regular can have men who want, I mean, it's usually men. Sometimes I guess a woman slips through the cracks, but it's like overwhelmingly normally men who want to just give you their money. They get off on parting with money and they just are happy to see you enjoying the money and enjoying your life. Now, there was a bit of an ethical conundrum for me because I don't know. I think a lot about what's important in a relationship. And I think that's balance. And I don't want any party to be more vulnerable than the other in a relationship. I think you have to have mutual respect and be on equal footing. And when I think about these men who are like kissing a woman's feet and just giving her money for no reason, or men who like to be called a loser, it just makes me feel like what happened in their childhood? How can I make sure to raise Fred to be someone who doesn't get gratification in this way. I sort of don't understand the psychology. Is it fun? Is it just a kink? Or is it exhausting to be a leader all the time? Like maybe these men have very toxic masculine lifestyles or jobs and they find it relaxing for someone else to be in charge. And the young woman that I met who did female domination, she was fun and flirty with it. You could tell, I did this for a program, by the way, but I can talk about it now. You could tell that she was having a good time and that it was a game. 
I didn't feel like she was being mean. I felt like she was doing more of a comedy roast. She was like, hey, you fucking loser. But it was like, I don't know how to explain it. It looked like everyone was having a good time, even the pay pig, which is the name of a man that wants to give his money to this lady. Um, But it looked like a lot of work. You know, you have to almost constantly be on OnlyFans, or apparently they have even more websites where you can do these kind of transactions and put your content up. I didn't even know. There's a whole world. OnlyFans is just the famous one. But you have to put so much work into it that it's not easy money. It, uh, I, another young woman that I met, she watched one of her pay pigs lay an egg. And that's exactly what it sounds like. He put fresh farm fresh eggs in his bum and then he clucked like a chicken and like pushed them out. And you could see, I had to look at this man's asshole. You could see that there was a lot of wear and tear. He's just, he used it like a pocket. He was tucking butternut squash up there. He was doing all sorts of things. And this beautiful young woman was paid to not only watch this, but comment on it, record it, and then post it. So he wants to be humiliated on a large scale. That's his kink. I mean, look, I don't know if, I'm happy that these young women say they were enjoying this lifestyle. But I don't know if that's what I would want to do every day, even if I could make 40 grand a month, because psychologically, are they strong enough <laughs> to with, withstand those images? These women seemed like they were, but it's, not, it's certainly not for everyone. I learned a lot. It really opened my mind. But I had to go to a cash point with this young woman and meet up with one of the pay pigs. And this was in broad daylight in the north of England. And people came up to us because I'm on the real television. She's more famous than me, probably on these pay sites and OnlyFans, but I'm on television. So there were like British ladies coming up to me during the session. So there's a man taking money out of a cash point, giving it to this girl. And she's like, you fucking loser. That's all you got for me. Double it. Ha ha ha. She was cute and flirty with it. But still, he's on the floor kissing her feet, handing over money. Any other demographic, someone would have called the police. And I'm sat there like, hey, hi. Oh, I'm just queuing. You know, it was very... It was a little bit awkward for me. It's the most British I felt in a long time. And this is on the coronation weekend, no less. But people just kept about their business. People just kept walking by. A few people just looked strange, but no one intervened. They're just old ladies pushing their shopping trolleys, kind of looking for a moment and then carrying on. Some people pushing buggies would stop me like, oh, hey, Catherine, I like your work. I was like, yeah, thanks. I'm just in the middle of a transaction now. Cool. Nice to see you. It was the craziest day. But I look forward to doing more things like that with this new project I'm doing that are going to open my mind, open my mind far and wide, because the last thing I want to do is be judgmental. But if any people listening, young and old, I don't think you have to be young to be a fendom or a findom. In fact, I think they like it when you're a little bit older because you have a sense of authority. Just know that you hear about the 40 grand, but I don't think you hear enough about the chicken shitting eggs on camera. It is a lot of work. And some of the transactions are like 25 pounds here, 35 pounds here, 100 pounds here. You got to do a lot of 100 pounds to make 40 grand. That's 4,100 pounds, I just realized. God, I just I just want to know what the future holds for all of our children. Like what kind of jobs will be out there? Violet brought home an assignment. And I don't mean to slag off her school. I love her school, but this raised some alarms with me, to say the least, because teenagers are natural fin doms. 
Violet tells me I look stupid and I dance weird and I shouldn't speak French and then asks me for money and I get nothing in return. So <laughs> she's essentially a organic fin dom. Every teenager is. They're experts at it. Oh my God, you suck. Take me to Starbucks. That's exactly what it is. But she brought home an assignment that said, please write a very persuasive letter to a celebrity asking them to come and speak at the school. Well, good news. I have received letters from Oxford, from Cambridge, asking me to come speak at those schools. Have I been? No, kids, but I'm working on it. I've just been quite busy. I've been pregnant for the entire decade. So I said, oh, Violet, this is great. We can work on this together. I have templates from Cambridge and Oxford showing exactly how to write these persuasive letters. So we used different types of persuasion. She started by being like, oh, hi, celebrity. We uh, love your work. We loved this book that you did. We're a big fan of this and that here at my school, which has achieved this, 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 was established in this year to educate and empower young women. We really feel like it would be a good fit, blah, 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 blah. We would be so amenable you know, to your schedule. She used all the different points in the letter. And then I was waiting for a grade because I helped her with it and we used a template. And I said, oh, what'd you get on that? What'd you get? And oftentimes I help Violet with her homework and I don't get a good mark. And I feel like I deserve one. Like, how am I not getting good marks in writing assignments at this fucking school? So the assignment comes back 75. I was like, what? We use templates from Cambridge and Oxford. Like, how is your high school giving you a 75? And she showed me the email from the teacher that said, well done, Violet, blah, blah. Could you also have used emotional manipulation as a tactic? When I tell you this girl does not need to be educated on the emotional manipulation tactic. I cannot believe I am paying a school to teach my daughter to manipulate me emotionally. And I I understand, okay, devil's advocate, they're trying to teach the girls about all different types of persuasive language. And maybe emotional manipulation happens to fall under that category. And maybe also they wanted the girls to use all of the different types and then say, oh, but ethically, this one isn't right to use. I have no evidence that this was the plan. Oh, Violet, try to use some emotional manipulation. Ma'am, come round to my kitchen and you will see it. Please do not sharpen this girl's skills in emotional manipulation. And I don't want to go into the school and ah, I don't want to message. There's a woman who's like head of year and I've already messaged her about a few things. I don't want to send her yet another message and be like, hi, could you please stop educating the privileged girls of the future in emotional manipulation at which they are already experts? But what is another reason that they would like, why teach them that? Even if, okay, even if I'm correct and they were teaching it to them to not teach it to them or teach it to them so that they could identify it and learn that it's wrong. Why teach it to them? I couldn't believe that. Are your daughters doing these assignments too? Like, I heard that the entry exam to get into Eton College, I mean, it has many questions, but on one of the questions for like a seven-year-old child, it says like, what would you do if you were prime minister? It says, write a speech um, announcing, you know, thank you, I won the race to be prime minister. And it really is preparing because kids who go to Eton will be prime minister. I think like the last few prime ministers went there. What is this school just teaching? these chicks. No, like you will be, and you told me not to use the word Karen, but you will be the future Karens of tomorrow. How can you emotionally manipulate a celebrity into speaking at the school? You shouldn't. 
What does that even mean? Please let me know. Send me an email telling everybody everything at gmail.com. I am genuinely curious. Is it just my daughter learning this? Is this appropriate? Are you a teacher? Please, if you're from the tabloids or my daughter's school, do not write about this because you're fucking up my personal life when you do that. Um, anyone else, please write me. Uh, when we return from these beautiful words from our sponsors, I will get into the new letters of the week. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Let's see what Joanne has for us today in the inbox insemination and dating. Catherine, I'm 35 with a great career, a home of my own, and a wonderful support system. I decided last year that I no longer had time to wait for a perfect man to have a baby. I figured it would be an endeavor around age 37, but my doctor wasn't pleased with my egg count, so I've already chosen a donor, and I'm waiting to see if this first round of artificial insemination has taken. Oh my gosh, so it's already happened. You're in the, like, window, pregnant till proven otherwise. In the meantime, I've still been dating. I've really been enjoying the company of a particular guy. He's sweet, has a great job, and shares a few interests with me. I'm now starting to feel like I need to inform him of my baby plans, but must I? I don't even know if I've fallen pregnant yet, and I've only been seeing this guy for about four weeks. Any advice would be appreciated. It's so tricky because... Yes, you have to tell him. I get where I get why you don't want to because it's a lot for someone to take in that soon to, and he might I think maybe what you're scared of is you don't want him to thwart your plans because you're really clear about what you want to do so much so that you've gone to the trouble and research and expense of choosing sperm and choosing a doctor and having it actually inseminated in you so I mean like this is very serious for you, obviously. You are sure of what you want to do. And maybe this guy, if you tell him, he could be like, oh, no, no, but I want to have a baby with you. And it's the Duchess all over again. Have you not seen the Duchess? He could say, I want to be the father of your baby. And then you go, oh, well, uh, uh, maybe. But then you don't know him that well yet, and you're not sure. And then you take a whole other year. Or you don't take a whole other year. He just goes, well, put me in the next cycle if this one fails. And then you have a baby with him. And then if it doesn't work because you rushed it, then you have to co-parent with someone you don't like. It's very tricky. But I think in your shoes, if I met someone really quickly and I really liked them after only four weeks and I was possibly pregnant by a donor, I think I would, if, if he's cool, look, you're going to have to be a really strong personality to deal with this either way as a guy in your life. So you come to him and you either say, um, I, <laughs> wow. I mean, you're just going to have to have a chat where you sit down and you go, I'm about to tell you something that's a little bit nuts and there's a chance that you won't like it. 
And then I think before I said, I would go, how serious are you about me? Because if this is just a thing, like you don't need to, to hear it maybe and we should just say goodbye now. I got something going on in my life that's going to change my life. And if you want to be in my life, I need to tell you about it now. That's maybe what I would say. And then if he's like, well, I really love you, then you'd be like, okay, I, a while ago, tell him what you told me. My egg count is low. I want to be a mom. I have been artificially inseminated with donor sperm and I might be pregnant. And if I'm not, I'm going to try again next month. And if I'm not, I'm going to try again next month. And this is the path that I've chosen. And it's too soon to know if you and I should do the same. Or maybe like this is the guy for you and God has sent him into your life at this exact time to be like, because to be honest with you, the first round of artificial insemination, I don't think usually works, though I know some people it has worked for. I think you got like a 30% chance. Maybe he's like, I want the same. Let's do it. And then maybe this is the love of your life, but that can only be decided between you two. I get how it's risky, but I always think that transparency is the best way forward. Holy shit, you have to write us back and let us know what happened. Joanne, if you see an email from this girl, top of the list, top of the list next week. You have to write us back before next week because you will know by then if you're pregnant or not. And you will have had the conversation, hopefully. <gasps> okay, next email. Male and female friends. He chose his girlfriend over me. Mm. I've been feeling an extreme pain of loss and heartbreak that I have never experienced before. Sure, I've had my heart broken and I've experienced the disgusting grief afterwards, but this feels deeper. It hurts more. Two years ago, my best friend, a male of 10 years, and I randomly lost touch. Let's call him Josh. We went from calling and texting every single day, hanging out regularly, and spending the holidays with his family, etc., to minimal communication. Now, present day, zero communication. Josh has started seeing someone. He's 29 and she's 21. I love that you had to tell me that because you know I don't approve. Although 29, 21, sort of fine. Ugh. Around this time which I was happy for him and let him do his thing, respecting and understanding that the beginning of a romance honeymoon period can be engulfing and intoxicating. Your world becomes all about them. However, time went on and I began to hear less and less from him, calls and texts being ignored, invites to birthdays politely declined, 10 years he'd never missed one. For later context, I should add that when we first met, I'm now 27, oh, here we go. Of course she doesn't want you in his life. You slept with him. We slept together a few times drunkenly and then decided we were better off friends. Yes, a 21-year-old girlfriend of a 29-year-old man who has a similarly aged like bestie girlfriend who he's had sex with. No, a lot of people are not going to be strong enough to let that friendship carry on. Some are, some aren't. And yes, he's chosen his girlfriend over you. So you're hurt. Yeah, she had no interest in meeting you. From then, I knew the type of problematic young girl that she was. <laughs> I left it at bay and continued on with my life, upset but hoping that in time she'd come around. A few months later, I managed to meet him for dinner when I was in his city and express my true feelings about how much I miss our friendship and how I'm upset she refuses to meet me. He said he hid, lied, that he was meeting me for dinner because she wouldn't be happy if she knew. What the fuck? I didn't want it to be a choose me or her situation, and I never inflicted that attitude, but she had. She won. A year on and I still haven't had any communication with him and I don't know what to do. I desperately crave for our friendship back and I want him back. Are you in love with this guy? Because if one of my friends who was a guy 
had a girlfriend who wasn't comfortable with our relationship and we had slept together, I think I'd hold my hands up and be like, well, that sucks because you're my best friend, but I get it. You do what you have to do for your romantic relationship because this presumably is the woman that is going to be his next of kin. You know what I mean? He could marry her, have kids with her. I don't want to like twist the knife, but you, you do have to prioritize your partner. It's called partner. Like that's the closest, most intimate relationship you're going to have. And unfortunately, if your partner feels uncomfortable about one of your friends, yeah, you'll always lose. I'm afraid you will always lose. Your best bet, and I'm sorry about how hurt this makes you, your best bet would have been not sneaking out to dinner with him. I mean, you didn't know that it was sneaking, but would be to talk to her and maybe you still can. Don't call him, text him. She's saying, Oh, what should I do? Do I call, message him? What angle do I do it from? Do I stay away? No, do not call him and message him because that's going to cause problems potentially in their relationship. I would try to get a line to her if it matters that much to you. Or maybe stay away, but if it matters that much to you, I would, and you can contact anyone now. You can probably find her on social media, whatever. I would go, do you want to, and you got to stop calling her problematic. (laughs) I would say, would you like to meet up for coffee with me? I have, I want to talk to you. And maybe she'll blank you. Or maybe then if she blanks that, write what you want in a message. Though I think it's better to see her face to face if you can. And then go to that coffee looking as shit as you can. Like I'm talking trackies, clean face, like dress for a day on the couch. <laughs> and meet up with her and just be like, look, I'm so sorry if um, my friendship with Josh made you uncomfortable in the beginning. And I have to tell you that sometimes, definitely don't be like, I've never been this hurt and I crave the friend. Don't say that because it really sounds like you're in love with him. Don't say that to her. Just be like, sometimes past now and I thought maybe it would be cool if you and I started a friendship and you could see that I'm trustworthy and I'm not trying to get with your boyfriend or anything. Like, And just go on her side. Be like, I understand how that would be weird at first, but uh, I'd like us all to be friends. What do you think? And then if she meets you in person, cause she's doing this thing, this retroactive jealousy where she's probably put you on a pedestal and she's like, Oh, sex with her was probably amazing. Like he stayed friends with her for a decade. That's how good the sex was. Blah, 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 blah. Like who knows what's going through her head, but don't message him anymore because she, <laughs> that is a problem for him. And you need to make sure you're not in love with him. If you're going to step back into this friendship, because maybe this girl had a good good vibes and she was correct and she wanted you away for a reason. Maybe you and Josh are in love. I don't know, but it seems a bit like that to me. Separated, but won't admit the new friend is his girlfriend. Parentheses plus sleeping with prostitutes. Whoa. What a week. Catherine, two months ago, my husband of seven years, 12 years together, left me, our kids and our dogs. Two months later, he bought a new dog and said he was sharing ownership with a woman from work. What a fucking loser. After many questions, he admitted to having feelings for her and that they were seeing each other. He says there was no overlap, but of course, who will ever know? The thing is, there usually is an overlap and people see that as cheating, but it's like, I don't know, like the end of a relationship is messy and if if you're unhappy... Sometimes it takes the catalyst of meeting someone else to actually leave the relationship. And I know it hurts to hear, but if, if it's an overlap, if you could be honest about the end of your relationship, it probably wasn't going well, was it? Or was it like perfect and then he just vanished? Because that would be weird. 
He has problems with substances and overworking. Good riddance, then. Everything else is a priority over his family. He puts all his problems and behaviors down to work stress, so it makes sense that someone from work has turned his head. Anyway, he'll do anything to minimize his part in the breakup, and whilst trying to distract from the truth about her and their new puppy, he claims to have never slept with her, but by admitting that he's been with prostitutes since our split. Oh. What? I'm unsure how he thinks this is better than just sleeping with her, or why he would even tell me that. Can you offer some words of wisdom, or how can I move on from this chaos, co-parent with this different man to the one I married, and try to find some resemblance of normality back in our lives? Well, first of all, you need to congratulate yourself on being free from a man who, quote, has substance problems, overworks, prioritizes everything and everyone else above his family. Good. Goodbye. I would not discuss anything with him other than the kids ever again. And you can get something called My Family Planner. I heard about this from divorced people. And then they sent me a message. So they love being on the podcast. And it's um, a separate system where you can record like visitation. And you can have your solicitor be a part of My Family Planner too. So you can each be on it. And you can just put like swimming lessons, football, visitation, pickups, drop-offs. You can chat on there. And it keeps it all in a neutral place. And he doesn't text you on your personal phone. So there's no other like, voila, prostitute. I'd be like, what you do with your dick is none of my business. That Those are the words that I would say. Don't tell me what you do with your dog and your dick and your life because you're not my problem anymore. Bye. And then I would treat myself to a spa day. And yeah, you've probably normalized some of this chaos and you're going to need some therapy. But you have won the lottery here and you don't even know it. This guy sounds like a prick. And just don't let him carry you along with his chaos anymore. You're free now. That's all you have to say. I'm, I can't even spend more time on this email because that's all you have to say. Oh no, traumatic childbirth making me rethink the second child I dreamed of. Childbirth was hell for me. I experienced contractions, but they kept stopping and starting. As this was... Yes... As this was happening, I asked if they would examine me as I felt something was happening, but I was told by multiple midwives it was hospital policy, yep, not to examine again after hospital admittance due to infection risk, and because it was my first baby, it was normal for the contractions to come and go. However, I stopped being able to pass urine. I had a high temperature, which wouldn't come down, and there was meconium in my water, so I was rushed to labor and delivery. Once there, I was examined, and I was 10 centimeters dilated. They didn't know how long I was dilated before because everyone refused to examine me. And the baby's heartbeat the whole time was fine, so they didn't have any concerns until I started to become very ill. I had made peace that I wasn't going to have a vaginal delivery, but I tried to push for two hours with nothing happening except my temperature rising again. It was decided that I would have an emergency C-section, which at this point I was thankful for. My son was so far down my birth canal, however, they struggled to deliver him. Once delivered, I hemorrhaged and I thought I was going to die. All I could think about was the fact that my baby was born and what was going to happen to him without me. But I was okay in the end. We stayed in hospital for a few days after both on antibiotics. Despite this, my son and I are here, healthy and happy, and that's the most important thing. But I have an over... Oh, I'm traumatized by this story. Yeah, that is really scary. But I have an overwhelming guilt that I don't want a second child. I don't want to run the chance of that happening again. And this time, I would have a son that I would leave behind if it went badly again. But I was also naive 
about how hard I found being a parent. I'm the oldest of eight children. The youngest is seven years old. So I had the practical parts down, like changing a nappy and holding a baby, but the emotional toll I was just not ready for. I feel like the support I've had from my partner has been terrible and I felt very alone the last seven months. Saying that, it's something we've spoken about and there's been an improvement. I adore being a sibling and it's given me so much joy and knowing that by not having another child, I'm taking that away from my son makes me feel sad. I'm not sure what I was hoping to ask, but I was just writing this down to help explore my feelings. Do you have any advice or anything you think would be helpful? Thank you. Well, there are many ways to grow a family. You don't have to carry and deliver these children. You could adopt children. You could have a surrogate. You could use your embryos in that surrogate so they're biological siblings of your son though that doesn't really matter you could foster some other kids like there are many many ways to build a family you could leave your unsupportive partner and marry a guy who already has seven kids (laughs) uh half joking no i'm sorry that your partner's not being supportive especially like what is wrong with these men who watch you nearly die and then they're not supportive Like, I'm sorry, did you not just almost watch me die? Maybe he has some like repressed trauma about that day as well. I think, you know, I always refer people to therapy because I am not a licensed professional, but every birth story is different. And I think that you can regain some sense of control and agency by going through your birth plan, maybe even with a private midwife Um, although if you have a baby soon, then you might have to have another C-section. I think it's advised if you have it really soon. Oh no, it's not. It's actually just not advised to get pregnant 18 months after having a C-section, right? Who knows? Ask your healthcare professional. But yeah, I hear a lot of these horror stories happening in hospitals everywhere where it's like, I wasn't examined. This wasn't happening. I hemorrhaged. This didn't go my way. You know, like having a baby is a risk to your life. And now you are traumatized by something because it went as wrong as can be, although you're both happy and healthy. Yes. I think you just need to give yourself some time. You're young, obviously. Your younger sibling is seven. And um, I think you need to spend some time as a parent of one and then revisit this whole topic down the road. Just take it off your plate because I think even that issue is giving you more anxiety because you're snowballing. You're going, oh my God, that was so traumatic. I don't think I could do it again. Well, if I don't do it again, then I'm robbing my son of a sibling. Oh my gosh. Well, I need to sort this all out right now. You don't. I think you just need to make a decision to park it for at least a year or maybe even two. Go, I'm not even going to think about this again for 12 months. And then I'll think about it one more time. I'll see how my partner is. I'll see how my body feels. I'll see how I am mentally. I'll see how the parenting is going. Because I will say... You have a great relationship, I'm assuming, with all of your siblings. And I mean, some of them you probably don't like. That's life. We're all different. And even the seven-year-old, there's a huge age gap. I fucking hope because you just had a baby. There's a huge age gap between you and the seven-year-old. But you'll always love and, and have a closeness with that sibling because it's your sibling. Violet is a decade and a bit older than Fred and Fena. But you can tell that they're siblings and they have sibling love and she chases Fred around like a sibling and they'll grow up having that bond even though I had them over a decade apart. So they might even be closer. You know, who knows? Violet and Fena could be closer than Fred and Fena. Age and speed of having these kids is not an issue for you. 
So don't think about this again for a very long time. Do what you need to do. Put your mask on first. Prioritize you recovering from this very traumatic experience. Speak to someone. I'm sure they even have support networks from women who've been through harrowing ordeals like this. And just remember that every birth is different. All my three labor and deliveries have been different and none have been scary like yours. I'm so sorry to hear that, but it's absolutely no guarantee that's going to happen again. And you can make this decision later. So don't complicate your life by making this decision now. Thank you so much for all of your emails. If you ever want to write me a letter, it is telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone who's written the letter so far. If anyone has advice of your own for the listeners that you heard today with their new uh, quandaries, please write us as well because we're doing that now at the beginning of the podcast. Loving the new format. And I hope you look after each other. It is spring. I hope you have a wonderful Mother's Day, which I think is coming soon if you live in Canada or America or anywhere except the UK. Oh, yeah. Our Mother's Day is in March because of the Queen, right? Okay, so everyone else have a lovely Mother's Day next weekend, and I'll see you soon. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com